every American citizen must have an equal right to vote. The administration of elections is primarily a state and local responsibility. Whether you voted for the very first time or waited in line for a very long time, by the way, we have to fix that. Hi, and welcome to High Turnout Wide Margins. This is Brianna Lennon. I'm the county clerk for Boone County, and with me is my co-host. This is Eric Fay, Director of Elections uh, in St. Louis County, Missouri. And today we have another county clerk with us from Missouri. We have Bettina Dodge, and she is going to be sharing her perspective as a smaller county and the challenges that she faces as an elections administrator. So welcome to the show, Bettina. I just want to say, Bettina is not just any other Missouri County clerk. She wears a ton of hats, which we're really looking forward to hearing about. Take it away. I thought it was worth mentioning that right off the bat. Absolutely. I think first, we always like to ask, what drew you to being a county clerk and getting involved in elections? Well, that is an incredibly boring story because uh, I needed a job and my predecessor needed help. So I uh, was hired to work in the office in 2005. I was very fortunate to get to work for a county clerk who had been uh, around the office for about 34 years. And so um, I really got to learn a lot of the history of the office and a lot of the changes. I just remember the Missouri Centralized Voter Registration System was rolled out about the time that I started in the office. And so after being in here a couple of weeks, uh, I was taken to to statewide training for MCVR and they were talking about the module to create new precincts and splits and I didn't even know what they were talking about. So (laughs) I've come a long ways since I started in the office, but you know, really nothing grand and magical other than I just uh, was seeking employment and was fortunate enough to land here. I know that you have, like Eric said, you wear a lot of different hats in general, but also your office has so many different responsibilities. That question just makes me chuckle a little bit because like we all have to do everything in here or else we wouldn't survive. We have to multi-tax constantly and we all have to be cross-trained to be able to do almost everything um, because there's just uh, so many hats that we wear. So, I mean, just for example, um, not only am I the local election authority, but I'm a clerk to the county commission. I'm the county budget officer, human resource officer. I'm responsible for accounts payable and payroll I facilitate the ad valorem property tax process, which you know is, you know, there's different stages of that throughout the year. So um, I'm secretary to the board of equalization. I formulate and distribute aggregate assessed valuations to political subdivisions, the state tax commission, the state auditor's office. I prepare the railroad and utility tax book, conduct the county's tax rate hearing, certify levies between political subdivisions and the state auditor's office, and charge the collector with taxes to collect and track those collections prepare the add-ons and abatements that change that tax record, um, track the delinquent taxes, and prepare an annual settlement for review by the commission and the state auditor's office. I issue county licenses, prepare the annual report of school funds to the state board of education, clerk the collector's annual tax sale, and track road and bridge record for grants management, and we're also responsible for the county's 911 addressing system. So, Uh, Yes, there's a lot of hats to be worn, and I get to do all of that with, I'm up to two full-time staff now. When do you have time, Bettina, to uh, clean out the (laughs) wastebaskets? We fit that in wherever we can. So I think that is a great rundown of the range of responsibilities of a rural county clerk in the state of Missouri, and that elections are only a small part of what you do, but a very important part of what you do. I think before we jump more into those duties, Could you 
talk a little bit about Scotland County, how big it is, maybe how many people, what it looks like, stuff like that. Sure. So we we are a very rural uh, county in the very northeast corner of the state. We have you know roughly five thousand residents and just a little shy of three thousand registered voters. You know we're largely a, a farming community. There's not a lot of industry here. You know being being in a kind of a tri-state area. You know we're only a few miles from Iowa and Illinois both. And so sometimes it's a little confusing for voters, I guess, in this area because they're being hit with different state voting laws, you know, so they're a little confused from time to time as to what's going on here and what's applicable to them. So in the midst of clerking the Board of Equalization and helping the county set tax rates and so forth, there's things like right now, we're just through the November election, Congress is potentially considering new voting laws and what I find interesting is, you know, we've had things like HAVA, MOVE, the, of course, the Voting Rights Act, all these types of things. All election administrators across the country have to implement them somehow. Uh, your office looks a lot different than my office and a lot different than Brianna's office. What's the challenge in your position with, you know, implementing those types of things? I mean, first and foremost, just trying to be educated and stay on top of what things are, are moving and coming down, you know, on top of um, trying to keep up with the other job responsibilities becomes quite difficult. And so it's really important for me to develop networks and connections with other election authorities, you know, where we can have that information sharing. It's also important to work with, I think, advocacy groups like Missouri Association of Counties and, and National Association of Counties so that they're helping to feed us that information so that we're not out there just having to keep track of it ourselves. For us, I would say just trying to you know, you have to retrain staff every time something different comes down. We have to think about, will our equipment accommodate those types of changes? Or do we have enough money in the budget to be able to facilitate changes? You know, all those kind of things, but it's like, it's almost amplified. You know, that problem is almost amplified. So I would say those are the main challenges that we face. So I know, Bettina, you talked about being involved with organizations, and I know you're involved with a number of them. Do you want to do you want to mention what some of your involvement has been, and maybe advice you would give to other, especially administrators from smaller counties, as to why it's important to be involved? Well, I I've never really been one just to to sit idle and continue with the status quo. You know, I like to be a little more dynamic and and be involved and see how we can grow something or make something the best that it can be. That's just kind of my personality. But I think something that probably really struck me the hardest was that I was just listening to a webinar one time and the speaker was talking about Eve's data. Um, it was proven that 64% of election jurisdictions across the country have fewer than 10,000 registered voters. And that just really resonated with me because I thought those election administrators and those small jurisdictions are who you're never hearing from. And I just think it's important to have a good cross-section of election administrators in that conversation so that we can make sure that we're, you know, gathering all those perspectives because we all bring something different to the table. And I, I guess I was a little slow to pick up on the fact that I always thought the ones who were involved were involved. They sat on a board or, you know, they, they spoke at that meeting or whatever, because they were the ones who, who knew everything. And in time, I learned that actually the opposite is true. Those people know so much because they've been involved with things. Um, you grow exponentially in your professional life by gaining those networks and, you know, learning what resources are available and then bringing that back to your county. 
So that involvement is a huge return on investment and it does come at a cost. Um, a lot of times I have to finance my own involvement, but to me, that's just a, a good investment um, to be able to provide a more professional service for my constituents and give them the, the best service possible. So what organizations have you been involved with, Bettina? I've served on various committees as an officer in the Missouri Association of County Clerks and Election Authorities. Um, I've been on the executive board and I'm, I'm currently serving a second vice president uh, in the Missouri Association of Counties. I am a election subcommittee vice chair for the National Association of Counties. I sit on the standards board for the U.S. Election Assistance Commission. Those are probably the, the main things. There's been a lot of other little various committees. You know, they've, they've all provided a great learning opportunity. In Missouri, you know, we have 116 jurisdictions, 114 counties, but most of them are pretty small in the first place. But when you go to become a leader in an organization like NACO or to go to the Election Assistance Commission, do you end up being in the minority of the people that, you know, size wise? Yes, definitely. I'm in the minority uh, at the federal level when I'm working on those boards and committees. And so um, that's extremely intimidating. I, I mean, I've been welcomed with open arms. I, I don't mean to make it sound like that at all. And it's interesting to have these conversations because, you know, sometimes we'll, you know, other election authorities and I will be discussing, um, you know, issues that are going on and we're just on two completely different ends of the spectrum, you know, so um, one of my good friends uh, is from Maricopa County. So being able to talk, I mean, they've got millions of registered voters and, you know, I have fewer than 3000. And so being able to talk back and forth with her through things, um, it's just pretty interesting um, as to where we're both at with things. Are there things that you wish that you could implement that you hear from other counties and you just know either because it's cost prohibitive or because you just think it's not going to work? Oh, there's millions of ideas that I would love to bring back here, but they're just not um, cost effective. So, um, you know, obviously this year with a lot of ballots being mailed, you know, I would love to have implemented some type of a ballot tracking program just to increase confidence in the process. And of course, there's a lot of counties who have implemented that. In some states, the entire state has implemented that process. Obviously, with less than 3,000 registered voters, I can't really justify the cost of that here. But it's just things like that that you hear that you can see where they would be a huge benefit. I can't roll them out by myself. So I've learned a lot from you and from other smaller election administrators across the state of Missouri. And I wonder, from your perspective, um, when you go to some of these meetings, do you feel like you're heard when you put these things forward, when these issues are brought up, like you just mentioned, because we in St. Louis County implemented a, a ballot tracking program. We have the resources for that. We didn't need or want the state to, to help us with that. It's obviously different for you. Do you feel like a lot of the, the structure, the funding, how that's structured, is it really geared more toward larger jurisdictions or are you taken into account? That's an interesting question. I feel like we're moving in the right direction because I, I think there's light being shed on these issues that really hadn't been looked at before because we hadn't had much of a, you know, a smaller voice in the conversation. And so I think we're moving in a good direction. Um, but as far as, you know, funding, that type of stuff, you know, I've said for years, I really wish that grant funds and, and those types of things that come through weren't divided up by voter registration. 
and I, you probably have a really different perspective on this, but from my perspective, I don't, I don't get enough funding to be meaningful. I don't get enough funding to really be able to do anything with. And so here I already have reduced resources. And then when I am given a hand um, to help with something, it's not really enough. You know, I think we need to move toward looking at more of a, you know, look at things as a whole, rather than look at each individual jurisdiction by itself and see where we can get the most bang for a buck rather than trying to, you know, pull some random figure to divide the funding. I, I think that's a really important point. Uh, Noah Prates, who was our guest on, well, I guess it was second episode, former election director in Cook County, Illinois, he made the point that when they received their federal funds for uh, cybersecurity, the initial thought was to divvy it up by registered voter count, like you mentioned, but then they quickly realized that the smaller jurisdictions, it wouldn't amount to anything meaningful. So it's probably easier at every level just to divide things up on some formulaic basis, but to have a more meaningful impact, I think you make a good point. I mean, it's almost a problem that compounds itself because where um, where we in Missouri are allowed to charge 5% of the election cost to put into our election services fund, and that can be used to improve the election process or for training, okay, well, 5% of your election cost is a whole lot different than 5% of my total election cost. You know, I might be making $1,000 an election to put toward training or improving the election process. Well, that doesn't go very far because it costs you and I the same amount to go to a training or, you know, things like that. And so, you know, so I'm not garnering the resources I need to finance the training that needs to happen. I'm not being given enough grant funds to purchase equipment or whatever, I need to, to better our processes. And so the problem just compounds itself. And then as a small county, you kind of back yourself into a corner where you're almost becoming the weakest link, you know, like I, you know, you're not trained, you're not equipped, you're not staffed to, to do what you need to do. And I don't know how many jobs there are out there like ours where it's demanded upon you to perform with complete perfection and, you know, you and I both know when it comes to elections, you don't get mulligans, right? I mean, <laughs> once the dice cast, it's out there and you don't just get to take it back and say, I'm sorry, I messed up. We'll fix it next month. And every time your resources are, are cut or there's legislation passed that complicates the process, I just think about that old game, don't break the ice you know, where you, you have all those plastic ice blocks stacked and you're just continually hammering each one of those out until the entire platform falls and you're the loser. I mean, it sounds incredibly bleak when we talk about it that way, but what are, what are some of the things that you've found to, you said getting involved in these organizations and what advice do you have to not feel like you're continually just waiting for everything to kind of drop? I think there's ways to be involved. There's a lot of resources available, um, you know, over webinars and, you know, things like that. So those are pretty cost-effective, right? You just have to take time to listen to a podcast or watch a webinar, um, things like that. So I think um, your level of involvement can be as little or as great as you want it to be. You know, I think there's also, as you make connections and you make friends through these, I mean, like, you know, I'll, I'll share a hotel room with another um, female clerk so that we can save cost and that type of thing. So I, I think there's a way to go and be involved and get the information you need. 
I think it's also incumbent upon the associations like our association, the Missouri um, Association of County Clerks and Election Authorities. I think it's incumbent upon those associations to gather as many resources as we can to provide to our membership. And I think that's something that we can do better. Um, again, those are more cost-effective ways to provide training. So I know that IGO has, within the last year, decided to provide like an association membership, I think they called it. So for $50 uh, member counting, you know, you can be involved in, in IGO and you would have access to their training courses and that type of stuff. You know, I think that's a cost-effective way that our association can provide better training resources to our membership. So I think those are things that we need to be proactive on and be looking for to help smaller counties. Um, I also think that as, as the awareness grows as to how these smaller counties have to function, um, you know, I think those conversations change. The folks in the small municipalities that, you know, maybe have a 500 or a thousand residents, they make the point that they can provide a much more personalized municipal service than a big city of 100 or 200,000 people can. And I know like my in-laws, they live in rural Missouri. They know the county clerk. I bet almost all 3,000 voters in Scotland County know who you are. Some of them probably know you pretty pretty darn well. Call you probably and, and get a situation worked out where maybe trying to get a hold of me is much more difficult. Yeah, I, I think that's absolutely correct. You know, during this last election, there was so much misinformation, disinformation put out there for people and people were worried and they were confused. And, you know, like you said, I, you know, I was born and raised here. And so, you know, not only uh, was I working crazy hours away from home trying to get everything ready for the election, but I was working crazy hours at home because everybody was you know, sending me messages or calling me or, you know, I even had a couple stop by my house just because they had questions or they were concerned. So that personal touch in a small rural area, I think we're a lot closer to our voters. I won't say more accessible, but, you know, people, people know where we're at. They know how to find us and how to get those questions answered. I also think when it comes to voter outreach and education, I feel like I have to be extremely careful what I say and what I do because I feel like because people know me so well and they trust me, you know, I really don't want to do anything to misrepresent anything that's that's done or anything that's out there. You know, I, I feel that burden of, you know, needing to make sure everything is absolutely correct so that my voters can continue to trust me. Um, and, and know that we're transparent and know the good work that we do. Beyond um, your advice of being involved, what else, what other advice would you give to that local administrator across the country that has 3,000, 5,000, 10,000 registered voters? And just what other advice would you have for them? I know something that I really struggled with this year with everything that was going on you know, on top of having the crazy elections and COVID and, you know, then getting the CARES money dumped in our lap and that type of stuff. I had to continuously remind myself, make sure the best practices are done. Don't, don't cut corners because you're, you're busy. And, and I don't mean that like things weren't being done. I just mean, you know, maybe the chain of custody could have been documented better, or maybe we could have done a better job telling the story of, of what we do to the public so that they were more confident in our processes, you know, those types of things. With elections, there is no detail that's too small ever. And it's those little details that all add up to a great success. And I just had to frequently remind myself this year, 
you know, pay attention to the details, make sure this is done, make sure that is done. Because in a crazy world, you know, as well as I do, it's, it's those, those corners that get cut. And it's those little things then that will add up and come back and bite you later. And so I would just implore election authorities and small jurisdictions to make sure um, that you're, you're dotting your I's and crossing your T's and making sure that's done, especially going forward with the current environment, because I think that's going to be crucial. Another thing I find, I don't know what it's like in other states, but in Missouri, especially the, the county clerks from smaller counties, they communicate a lot, it seems like, and they, they bounce ideas off of each other. It's almost like the buddy system. You got to almost find a buddy in, a, in a, another jurisdiction, a neighboring jurisdiction that's like yours that, that you can help with. Because in my office, I have, you know, <laughs> this sounds ridiculous. I have people <laughs> that I can talk to. But like you said, you, it's, it's you and a couple other people. And so it's, it's really helpful to have a network, isn't it? Um, it's extremely helpful and almost vital to have that network because there are so many, so many moving parts with elections that it's easy to miss something small. So if you have that network of uh, like-minded individuals, you know, somebody else is going to think of something that you haven't. You know, I, I find a lot of times when I'm talking to larger counties that, you know, I'm doing the work here of, you know, seven or eight full-time people. Like with elections, we're doing everything from notifying the public of filing requirements and availabilities, you know, accepting those filings and designing and ordering the ballots, hiring and training the election judges, tracking all of the cost and billing political subdivisions for estimated and actual cost and, and paying the election bills and packing and delivering the election supplies and maintaining the voting equipment, performing the logic and accuracy test and you know, I mean, we're, we're doing all of that. I'm doing all of that on top of all of those other jobs, you know, that I talked about earlier, whereas in a larger office, you know, I, I don't know how much of that actual work you guys do and how much of it you oversee, you know, but it, it's just a big difference in, in the workload. And I know we've talked before about it. It's all relative. You know, I have 3000 registered voters and you have several hundred thousand registered voters. It's just a, a huge undertaking. I don't think it's a huge secret that we do a lot with very little, but I think when people understand what I mean by a lot and by very little, um, you know, it's pretty eye-opening. I, I know um, in, in March before COVID, I was able to be part of a Capitol Hill briefing for NACO. And when, when I was talking about a lot of these duties that go on, and at that time, I only had one full-time and one part-time staff. And as I was talking about that, you literally could see the eyebrows in the room raise because I just had no idea, you know, what it was like in a small third class rural county um, to do all of this. And so I'm just happy to be able to share that information and, and feel fortunate to be able to do the work. All right. Thanks, everybody, for joining us on another episode of High Turnout, Wide Margins. And a special thank you to Bettina Dodge, uh, Scotland County Clerk from Scotland County, Missouri. We thank you so much for being with us today. And we hope all of you listening will join us for our next episode.